0: Philip Bateman on behalf of BDO here with David Blake, Partner for Corporate Tax. And David, we're here at the eve of the federal government's budget, the budget we had to have. And you opened by saying, if you don't vote, we don't care. What's that about?
1: Well, it's, it's clear that if you don't vote, mm. uh, the government is unlikely to be, uh, to be looking after you. So um, what the budget was all about was providing or continuing to provide... Um, a significant amount of tax cuts mm-hmm. to, uh, to ordinary taxpayers. Yeah. So, ordinary taxpayers vote, ordinary taxpayers are getting a little bit of a, a kickback. Small businesses, typically, mm-hmm. uh, they vote, and, uh, they're getting a pretty good, uh, pretty good hand, uh, extension of small business write-offs, um, which, really shouldn't be underestimated. They're, they're pretty important. Mm. Um, if You're talking you,
0: about the $30,000 instant tax yeah, write-off being yeah, extended?
1: the, the $30,000 instant write-off. I I, I, I said um, earlier that um, back in 1991, when Hawke and Keating were trying to kick-start the economy, they were tinkering around with depreciation and investment allowances and trying to get capital investment started. And this is a really simple, targeted... Mm. Uh, incentive to get people uh, out there buying uh, plant equipment and getting the, the economy going. So um, it's it, now in its third year, I think, it, uh, and I've said for three years, I think it's a fantastic, uh, fantastic incentive.
0: Not putting it around for five years because then somebody would get bored like a footy player, just well, bringing it out for one and extending well, their season. It's,
1: it's, a, it's a little bit like the footy player who's, mm. you know, he's playing really well. Um So you keep giving him one-year contracts to keep him incentivised. So they're uh, they're keeping us incentivised. It also means that they can they can re-announce it every year and keep it top of mind, which mm. I think is pretty important too. So if you don't vote, mm. what happens? Um, so there's not much for uh, the big end of town. Mm. Uh, in fact, uh, they've uh, clearly highlighted they're going to be spending more money on tax avoidance. Um, and unfortunately where that's largely focused is in high net worth individuals. Uh, mm. Now they do vote um, uh, and multinationals mm. and uh, so they're investing a billion dollars in that. Um, they're hoping to recover about three and a half dollars for every dollar spent. Uh, I suspect that that number is uh, highly underestimated.
0: Mm. And with the wealth distribution in this country, they're only going to lose a few votes by going after that, wouldn't you say?
1: Well, well, yes, that's true. I mean, uh, if if the government's plan gets put in place, and uh, in fairness, uh, Bill Shorten is doing something not remarkably different. Um, 94% of taxpayers mm. will be paying at a 30% tax rate. Um, that means that there's only 6% that are paying at the higher rate. Uh, it's interesting to note that that Six percent is paying twenty-six percent of the total burden, but uh, so the other ninety-four uh, percent are paying the seventy-four percent of the burden. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So if you uh, if you don't vote, you don't get a benefit.
0: Yeah. So based on those numbers, is class warfare a bit of a furphy? <laughs> well, no. <laughs> class warfare is definitely not a furphy. Uh,
1: if uh, if you look at particularly the response from uh, from uh, Bill Shorten tonight. Um, he's going to follow through on at least one of those tax cuts. Mm. But those that deliver the greatest benefit to um, to the higher income people, uh, he's not following through on that. Mm. Um, he's also planning to um, introduce a, uh, well, not introduce, but uh, abolish, if that's the right word, negative gearing on particular properties. Mm. Um, he's looking to tighten and reduce the concessions for Uh, superannuation uh, for uh, self-funded retirees. So there really is... There really is a bit of a class warfare going on, mm. and it really is a, a bid for your vote, mm. is the way that I've looked at it. And in relation
0: to the negative gearing, because I've been hearing for my whole life as basically the media talks about my inability as a millennial per se, Gen Xer, yeah. to purchase a property, yeah. negative gearing being the bane of this. And you touched on the fact that it is a singular class, is a singular as- asset class that this is being applied to. Well, that's so- right. And
1: it's it's more than that. It's, it's only going to be applied to properties acquired after January 2020. Mm. So if I've already got a property... And so he's I'm, not
0: going to disenfranchise anybody who's already got the pile of doesn't, real estate Doesn't
1: stuff. it disenfranchise me if I've already got one? No. Mm. If I negatively gear any other asset class, mm-hmm. if I negatively gear, if that's the right way of putting it, my business, um, there's no limitation. So mm. it it really is a very targeted... Um, and it does have all the hints of class warfare about it. Because
0: yeah. you said there's no such thing as negative gearing deduction.
1: No, there's not. Well,
0: what did you mean? Um, How is negative gearing not a thing? N-
1: negative gearing is a thing, but it's it's a it's a it's an invented term. Mm. So um, it it basically seeks to describe that my interest deductions are more than uh, well put another way, my my income and my operating expenses and the net of those is not sufficient mm. to cover my interest, yeah. and uh, therefore that's that's the term coined was negative gearing as opposed to
0: unbalanced budget or as (laughs) As in in living in the red living beyond your means
1: living beyond your means and so um the it's really another way of describing uh, i'm not going to allow you an interest deduction Mm. Um, now uh, i'm not denied an interest deduction uh, on any other asset class Mm. Um, it doesn't seem to me that it's equitable, Mm. if that's the right terminology to use in tax. It's not equitable to identify a singular class of asset and say to those who invest in that class of asset, you're not entitled
0: um, to
1: that which anyone else is entitled.
0: Mm. Because I can negatively gear my deductions on shares. I
1: can negatively gear my deduction on shares.
0: Hmm. In fact, all my asset write-off. Up, <laughs> as a small business, <laughs> up,
1: up, up, up until not too long, uh, uh, yeah. up until the Shorten government comes in, I can also get a refund of my franking credits if hmm. I'm in that position. So, it it does appear to be a little. Um, it, it's targeted at a group of aspirational taxpayers. Hmm. Um, it's not. As I understand it, the thing that um, is causing uh, young people not to be able to have access to homes. And if that was the case, Mm. why would you only apply it to uh, assets acquired after January 2020? And if that was the case, why does the negative gearing limitation, it's not going to
0: apply to new houses? Mm. So there seems so I can to be... still invest off the plan uh, yeah. to grow my Australian dream of so, owning many properties. So
1: there's a there's a bit of uh,
0: there's an there's an intellectual debate mm-hmm. that's not being fully played out. Well, that led straight into my next question: as you said, there's a lack of intellectual rigor. Although these kind of things play out well in the media, what intellectual rigor would you be bringing to the conversation? What conversations would be good for the nation right now that aren't being had? <sighs>
1: What does our tax system? What should our tax system really look like, Mm. and what does it really look like? So I said earlier tonight that we've had a lot of tax reform happening under our nose. Mm. Um, The the number of uh, or the highest marginal rate um, now kicks in at currently one hundred and eighty thousand dollars. When I started work, the highest marginal rate was sixty percent, and it kicked in at thirty five thousand dollars. Now, most of that differential between 35 and 180,000 and the rate between 60 and now 45 happened in around 2007. Mm. Um, that was a staggering structural change to our tax system. And uh, I'm not sure that there's a lot of understanding or appreciation of the enormity of that change. Um, Tax reform is something that's spoken about very regularly in this country. Mm. I'm not entirely sure anyone really understands what it is that they're asking for when they're asking for tax reform, but um, it perhaps is more a conversation about our federation than it is about our tax system. Mm. So why do states levy payroll taxes, land taxes, stamp duties, yada, 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 um, and the federal government just does the income taxes and the GST? Maybe... Tax reform actually is a bigger debate.
0: Mm.
1: It's a bigger debate in as much as it has to deal with um, mining royalties. It has to deal with federation. It has to deal with a whole raft of things. And short grabs in the media, Mm. um, dealing only with personal tax rates is not really
0: about, it's not the debate we need to have. In your experience when a government wins office mm. and then they've said all the things they need to do to get to the votes, mm. how do they actually go back to governing the country and doing sensible things on behalf of the citizenry? Well, if I
1: was, had been inside government, I might be able to answer that, mm. which I can't. But th- there's also an element that says that we're a little to blame for all of this. Mm. Um, we are largely ungovernable. Um, most... Uh, elections
0: are now decided by uh, very thin margins. And when you say largely ungovernable, do you mean we simply don't do what we're told? (laughs) No,
1: I think we don't allow the governments that we elect to do what um, we ostensibly have charged them to do. So...
0: Uh, in it, relation to like Labor blocking the funding expenditure?
1: Well, even, even, just genu-
0: anything really. Even yes. more fundamental
1: than that, we, we, we force coalitions of, uh, disparate parties together. Mm. So when Steve Brax first got in in Victoria, he had to form an alliance. Mm. Um, when, uh, when the Liberals got in, they had to form uneasy alliances. The coalition now has to form un- uneasy alliances with, uh, with, uh, the, uh, Pauline Hansen's mm. group. They're a function of us not allowing governments mm. to do the things that we know we need governments to do. That's one thing. Two, we we commit them not to a three-year cycle, which is what we uh, used to do. We now commit them to the the monthly uh, opinion poll cycle. Mm. So we as a as a as a collective group hmm. make it very hard for governments to do the things that governments need to do. So how does what does a government do when it gets into
0: power? Oh, gee, I wish I knew. <laughs> and it's interesting to me that we have such a partisan split between left and right because if everybody like if how do I know that I'm I want them to govern, you want them to govern, so how does it turn out that Australians kind of just split down the middle and we're not able to all vote in one direction to let them govern.
1: Like well, n- n- now I'm getting entirely outside of my my my, sp- I mean, my proper sphere. But mm. um, my personal view is that um, we are a socially progressive, economically conservative nation, mm. and sometimes we mix up those two things. Mm. I think one of the clearest examples was the um, the same-sex uh, marriage mm. debate. Where clearly the nation showed that we were socially progressive, mm. um, but the nation also shows constantly that it wants strong uh, management of its of its finances mm. so we, ne- we want both we yeah. want a little bit of left and a little bit of right um, that would then beg the question why isn't why don't we have a party that sits mm. centrally
0: mm. Uh, you talked to um the left's view of trusts as a vehicle for tax avoidance. Yes, yeah. could you talk more to that, or it simply is a statement of fact?
1: Well, I'm not sure it's a statement yeah. of fact. What, are they, so what much. are they missing? Well, it's not that they're missing something. It's just that there is a there's a fundamental distrust um, that um, the trust as a vehicle allows um, for more tax or less tax to be paid, which in common parlance would be tax avoidance. Mm. Um, so what uh, what the Labor government is proposing is that distributions must be subject to um, a, a 30% minimum tax rate. Mm. Um, and I understand that, but um, trusts are a legitimate vehicle for protecting assets. Mm. And instead of focusing on the... Potential for tax avoidance, which I think is massively overstated, one ought focus on the, the rationale for for a trust in the first place, mm. which is about asset protection. It's about passing assets down and, and and alike. And whether we like it or not, many many of our uh, farms and our small businesses mm. are run through trusts. They are a perfectly legitimate. Um, business vehicle, Mm. and they ought to be recognised as a perfectly legitimate uh, vehicle um, instead of some artifice which is uh, nothing more than a a means to tax avoid, which is clearly what they are not.
0: Mm. And you talked about reducing the quantum and frequency of superannuation contributions.
1: What's behind that? Uh, Well, one who is far more adept at uh, uh, matters of superannuation Mm. than I suggested that the the changes that uh, the coalition announced were more about liberalizing access to superannuation mm. whereas the labor party's was more about uh restraining and constricting um access to concessions it it is a philosophical difference mm. and um uh I think that that's almost where I can uh, have to leave it. It yeah. is a
0: philosophical difference. Fair enough. And you talked about the foundation stone of the economy being a bank's balance sheets. And I was wondering if going after them post the Royal Commission, what's the implications of an Australia's lacklustre revolt to the banks? Like if we go and <laughs> well, go after these people with pitchforks, what's, what's that going to do if that's the foundation of our economy?
1: My, my observation was that um, through the financial crisis... Mm. Um, one of the things that was um, assisted australia's economy staying uh, very stable through that was the strength of, and the four pillars of our of our big banks mm. um, and so ensuring that the the banks have stable and strong balance sheets is critical to the continued strength of our economy. that ought not be read as saying that therefore the banks should be entitled to uh all sorts of different behaviors mm. which have clearly um been uh, been uncovered in the royal commission but my observation was more about if you're going to if um if property values are on the, on the wane um and let's face it the banks have supported a lot of that uh the borrowing on those properties if if negative gearing or the abolition of ne- negative gearing has an impact on the uh the value of those assets mm. then the banks' balance sheets are eroded to some extent, mm. and then their capacity to continue to lend, um, as we've already seen, will be uh, diminished. So it we, we, we have a very sophisticated economy. And part of the problem is that when you pull the pin on one part of the economy, mm. it has ramifications and implications whether known or unknown or intended or unintended for other parts of the economy Mm. and this is this is underpins the first question you asked about intellectual rigor behind Mm. all this having a soundbite in a newspaper or on the steps of parliament doesn't seem to me to be the way that you need to manage an economy Mm. and it needs to have a little bit more of a thought about what In a highly sophisticated and integrated economy, if I do X, what are the Ys and Zs Mm. that are going to
0: happen? I remember eight years ago when the EMDG funding was suddenly frozen and the companies who were relying on it to fund the continuance of their expansion in projects they already had underway suddenly got put on like an 18-month hiatus and then it was a celebrated fact that EMDG was export market development grant funding was being brought back and that kind of pin you know, that went off, and that was a hand grenade to a lot of employing businesses. Well, it's
1: the same as cash flow lending. Um, mm. Many, many banks, uh, many, many uh, companies, particularly those that are looking to go offshore and expand offshore, um, have found that um, the bank's uh, withdrawal of cash flow funding, and this happened way before the, the Royal Commission, um, has severely limited the capacity of those businesses to grow. So, yeah, one one outcome has... It's like the pebble in the pond, mm.
0: And even the budget, budget we had to have, what's your advice for your clients out there in BDO land? What would you say to them as a hold tight, keep going?
1: Well, uh,
0: budgets used to be a a State of the Union address, Mm. right? Um, I think they're increasingly less than that. And if I could say the budget and the upcoming election. Well, I
1: I, I suspect that um, the coalition hopes that there is enough incentive uh, in the in the electorate to say yes, we can trust you. Mm.
0: Um, only time will tell. Only time will tell. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time. Pleasure.